So yesterday we started a mimer. Al Kain Purim. The mimer identified Purim, the name Purim, as part of the miracle of Purim. Otherwise, why are we calling the holiday Purim? What's the miracle of the lots? If anything, the lots seemed to be part of the gzera, the decree, not the miracle. And we suggested a suggestion which remains true, that part of the miracle of Purim was the fact that the lot that Haman threw fell out for the month of Adar. Because Adar has the day of Zayin Adar. And even though Haman in his mind mistakenly thought that the day of Zayin Adar is a day which affects the Yidin negatively because it's the day where we lost our physical presence of Meshe Rabbeinu. The truth is that the day of Zayin Adar is just the opposite. The day of Zayin Adar is a day which is a power for the Yidin. It's the day where the Yidin receive Bari Mazle, just like a person, any person on his birthday, Bari Mazle, his Mazel is strong. The whole month of Adar, the Mazel of Ayid is strong because of the connection to Meshur Rabbeinu, because Meshur Rabbeinu was born in this month. And the fact that Meshur Rabbeinu passed away in this month, as we said yesterday, only brought that birth to its completion, to its fulfillment, an everlasting presence of Meshur Rabbeinu amongst us, because Meshur Rabbeinu continues to exist amongst us, even after his passing, as we've discussed in Vata Tetzava and so forth. So today, Zayin Adar is really part of the miracle of Purim. Not just part of the miracle of Purim, it's the source of the miracle of Purim. The power of Purim comes from today. And I told you that it's specifically Zayin Adar Aleph, so therefore today is a day which needs to be celebrated, it needs to be properly tapped into. Don't let today go by. But, a Febrengen, absolutely, there's going to be a Febrengen tonight, Bezos Hashem, with Rabbi Bechor. Um, so it's a special day today but the fact that it's a special day doesn't help us solve why the Yom Tov of Purim is called Purim because it's not called Zayin Adar it's not called Yom Moshe it's not called Bari Mazle that's not what the Yom Tov is called it's called Purim the fact that it's called Purim seems to indicate that the re, the reason why the lot fell out on the month of Adar is a derivative of the concept of Purim. And this concept of Purim is a deep and powerful concept, which we're going to explore throughout this Mimer. A deep and powerful concept which Haman himself wanted to tap into. A deep and powerful concept which helped us win over Haman. And it's because of this deep idea of Purim, of lots, of Guru, that the holiday exists, this most powerful day in our calendar. And in order to understand this better, in order to begin to explore this concept of Purim, of Guru, of lottery, the Mimer begins first by comparing 
Purim to a day which is compared to Yom HaKippurim in, Purim in its name, the day of Yom HaKippurim. Let's read inside. Ois Beis. The Yuvan Zeh will be able to understand this. According to that which is explained in Torah R. The Purim, the Yom HaKippurim, Shayachim Zeh it's explained in the Mamarim of the Alter Rebbe that there is a relationship between Kippurim and Yom Kippur. If you look in note 9, you'll see. If you look in note 9, you'll see that this isn't something which is explained only in Torah Ur, but it's something which has its sources all the way in Tikune Zayar. In the Zayar, there's already the source for this idea of the relationship between Purim and Yom Kippur. And on a surface level, the days of Purim and Yom Kippur seem to be as opposite as two days can be. Purim is a day of revelry. Yom Kippur is a day of seriousness. Purim is a day of what feels like light-headedness, Rahman al-Litzlan. Ayyid is never allowed to be light-headed. But it feels like Purim is a day which is associated with light-headedness. And Yom Kippur is a day where we're sitting and fasting and davening. Purim is a day where we feast and we eat and we celebrate. And Yom Kippur is a day where we focus only on Hashem. They seem like two opposite extremes. If you can have two days in our calendar that are as far away from each other as can be, you would choose Purim and Yom Kippurim. And yet, there is a relationship drawn between Purim and Yom Kippur. Not just is there a relationship drawn between Purim and Yom Kippur, Purim is the prototype. And Yom Kippur is the day which is being compared to Purim. Yom Kippur is like Purim, Kippurim. Meaning that, like when I want to say that I'm so focused on my davening, my davening is almost like Noyach's. Because Noyach's davening is known far and wide to be uh, davening, and my davening is like Noyach's. Right? <laughs> this is the prototype, and this is the comparison. I'm comparing myself to him. What's the prototype? Purim. What's the comparison? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day which, if I had to ask you off the cuff to identify what's the holiest day of the year, anyone would easily say Yom Kippur. If I had to ask you what's the day where you could relax most in the year, where you could just like enjoy yourself and stop being so worried about about Ol Malchus Shamayim, you would say. I don't mean it. <laughs> you would say Purim. <laughs> right? 
But we're comparing Yom Kippur to Purim. That means that Purim is a holier day, so to speak, than Yom Kippur. Purim has in it a power that Yom Kippur itself doesn't have. Now to understand that itself is worthy of this mimer. But we're going to explain that not just to understand why Purim is the prototype and Yom Kippur is what's being compared to it, but how that's all connected to the idea of Purim, to the idea of lottery. I don't know if it's here, but I read in the notes somewhere, I think it was on this library, that, that when Mashiach comes to Yom Kippur and Purim will be the only two holidays left in the calendar? Yeah, yeah, that's actually, it is in the notes of the yeah. Um, look at note nine. I don't see it right now, but it, it is over here. But Wait, so, in, so the Zohar says that it's the is opposite the Alter Apparently, but then when you look at it more carefully, as the note continues to explore, you see that it's actually saying the same thing. Okay, let's read inside. Oispace. The Yuvanza Apiamavor Bitaira are. We can understand this through that which is explained in Torah are. The Purim, the Yom HaKippurim, Shayachim Zalazah. Purim and Yom Kippur are related to each other. The Pirish Yom Kippurim, Hu Purim. The explanation of the Yom Kippurim, the day Kippurim, is the day which is like Purim. The Yisairim is one furthermore. To be Zash, Yom HaKippurim, Hu Kippurim Bechafad Dimim Belvad. This that the day of Yom Kippurim, is like Purim, just with a Chaf HaDimian, that means with a comparison. It's clear that Purim is even higher than Yom Kippur. Oh, that's note 10. Shekol HaMayidim Asidim Li'ibatol Gam Yom HaKippurim Chutzmi Purim. The only holiday that's going to remain is the day of Purim. Even Yom Kippur is going to be Negated when Mashiach comes, the only holiday that's going to remain is Purim. That shows you that Purim is the quintessential holiday. It's the ultimate holiday. So, in order to understand this, the Maimer first begins by understanding what's the relationship, the more obvious relationship between Yom Kippur and Purim. From the relationships between Yom Kippur and Purim is that on both of them you have the idea of girl of a lottery. When did you have a girl on Yom Kippur? When did you have a lottery on Yom Kippur? On Yom Kippur you had a lottery for the Shnei Hasi'irim. You had two goats which were special karbonis, which were brought on Yom Kippur. One of them was Lashem, and the other one was Lazazel. And those those two goats, in order to determine which one went for Hashem and which one went for the Azazel, there was a lottery which the Kohen Gadol would make on Yom Kippur. 
So you see that the idea of lottery is an idea which is central to the Aveda of Yom HaKippurim. They threw a lottery for the Shnei HaSirim, for these two goats. Vegam Purim, who al Shem HaPur, who And Purim obviously is related to this concept of lottery. Then we're going to draw another comparison between Purim and Yom Kippur. Another relationship between Purim and Yom Kippur is... The Purim, Shashneihem Heim Lemaila Mishem Havaya. Both of them are higher than Shem Havaya. A lofty idea to say that something is higher than Shem Havaya. So, what does it mean, first of all? They're both higher than Shema Havaya. The Biyem Hakipurim Ksiv, with regard to Yem Hakipurim, it says, Lifnei Havaya Titaru. It says, before Hashem, you should purify yourselves. The word lifnei means before. And just like the word before in English has two possible connotations, before means standing in front of. And that's the simple implication of this pasuk. Standing in front of Hashem, you should purify yourself. That's what the day of Yom Kippur is all about. Standing in front of Hashem and purifying oneself. But the word before also has an additional connotation, and that's prior to. And here too, there is that connotation of prior to Havaya, you should purify yourself. You should purify yourself on a level which is higher than Havaya, higher than Hashem's name. What does that mean, to purify yourself on a level which is higher than Hashem's name? As the Maimah says, L'mayla me'avaya, higher than Hashem's name. The concept of Yom Kippur is kapara. The concept of Yom Kippur is tshuva. What does tshuva mean? To return, to do tshuva. How do you do tshuva? What happens if I, Rahman insult someone very deeply? I hurt their feelings very, very badly. Then I come tomorrow and I say, I'm sorry. They could say, okay, fine. Let's forget about it. But is it really forgotten? That stain, that hurt the impact of that is still there. If I said something very not nice, it, it it's not, you can't just like erase it, you can't go back, you can't press undo. How is it possible to do tshuva? Okay. Good. Good. I, I, when I said it, I made it a little bit flippant. I'm sorry. What if I sincerely apologize? I sincerely apologize, but I told someone that I think that they're ugly, that they're stupid, that whatever it might be. So I sincerely apologize. The person forgives me. 
but how do I press undo? Rabbi, Rabbi. Yes, Yanko. I thought I was the only one that did that to people. How do I undo? Yeah. I, you really could. Uh, I guess if if it's above Zavaya, it's above time, so you could access like a level of it's it, you could go back in time, kind of. Fantastic. Havaya represents the basis of time, but the truth is that Havaya itself is higher than time. Because Havaya itself, where every time we say the word Hashem, Yudke Vavke, in Davening, we're supposed to think. What are we supposed to think? He was, he is, and will be simultaneously. So that means that Havaya also is above time. Havaya is the source of time, but it's above time. So, if I connect Havaya to Gazund, if I connect Havaya, I'm already above time. But the truth is, the truth is that it is possible to reach a level of apology that can erase even a deep insult. And we do that in our relationships. In some relationships, sometimes we have fights, but the fight doesn't mean that the relationship needs to end. It is possible to reach deeper. Let's say, for example, I insulted a person with a silly insult. Then if I apologize with a sincere apology, an apology that's deeper than the insult, that's more sincere than the insult was, then obviously the insult is able to be erased by the apology. Let's say the insult is deeper, is more serious, is something which is more hurtful, not something that can just be erased by sincere apology. But if the relationship is one of true love and the expression of I love you is deeper than the expression of the insult, then it's possible for the tshuva to erase the insult, not only that, to even bring out a deeper relationship. We spoke about in the Maimar Vata Tetzava that standing under the chuppah for a chasna and kala to express their love to each other is no big deal. The big deal is when a chasna and kala express their love to each other after there was a... a a challenge, darkness, when there isn't the music and the confetti flying anymore. But over here we have an even deeper idea than that. And that is that the true love between Achas and Kala is expressed after their first fight. In other words, (laughs) and the truth is that you need to make sure that you go to chasen classes first and learn. What do you need to learn? You don't need to learn not to fight. You need to learn how to fight. Wait, not- I know what you learn. Yanko <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 will right teach. Here. Right, right, is he? <laughs> 
you, you, you don't need to learn not to fight because every time you have two people that aren't yet completely unified, there are going to be rifts between them. There's going to be times where they're just not properly aligned. That's normal, unless you're starting with a tzaddik and a tzaddikis that are able to just immediately fit together perfectly and live in complete harmony. There's going to be disagreements. What you need to learn is how to fight. And when I say how to fight, what I mean is that you need to make sure that when there is a disagreement, it's not chas going to have an everlasting effect. But even where there is a disagreement, and the disagreement causes a rift between you, and during that disagreement you're upset at each other, you're frustrated with each other, maybe even you express yourselves in ways that you would not want to, and carefully, but you express yourself in, in ways that you would not want to. And then afterwards, you say, I love you anyways, so to speak. Or I love you more than that which was expressed. Our love and our relationship goes deeper than the rift between us that was exposed. That's where you see that this is a powerful marriage. You have the right chasen teacher, you'll get all of it. <laughs> this is the concept of lifnei havaya tetaru. When a yid Rahman does something that he's not supposed to, he does an avera. He insulted the Eibishter, so to speak. And now he wants to do tshuva. He wants to rebuild, reconnect to Hashem. A Jew can do that. you know why? Because a Jew's connection to the Eibishter is higher than Havaya. What does higher than Havaya mean? What does Havaya represent? Havaya represents Seder Hishtalshalos. It represents the way that the world is formed. It represents Yudis Chachma, Heyizbina, Vavizdas, Heyizmides, or Malchus, and so on and so <coughs> forth. It represents the rules. It represents a perfect evolution, the way that things are brought into being. According to those rules, I have to make sure that I don't miss a shema, that I put on tefillin every morning, that I do things the way that I'm supposed to and that I don't make mistakes. But my relationship with Hashem is deeper than that. How often does a teenager express things to their parents that the next morning makes them themselves want to hide in shame. But yet, they're able to move past it. Why? Because their relationship is much deeper than that which they expressed. So too, our relationship with Hashem is much deeper than Havaya. It's much deeper than Seder Ishtalshlus. It's much deeper than just the rules of the way things are. Yes, of course, we need to get back to Havaya. 
We need to get back to doing things the right way, to having a healthy relationship, to speaking to each other in a kind way and in a non-frustrated feeling. But the way that we get back there is by tapping into lifnei havaya, reaching higher than havaya. That's siv lifnei havaya titaro havaya. So Yom Kippur is a day which clearly is associated with higher than havaya. Drawing a relationship between that and Purim, in Purim also there is a concept of lemayla mehavaya. And where do you recognize? This concept of Lamailam and Avaya in Purim in a very counterintuitive way. It's Tshuva, the Titaru, the Kapara of Yom Kippur. That's the Lamailam Avaya. When we're pronouncing Hashem's name on, on Yom Kippur and we're doing Tshuva to Hashem, why are we, are, so we're supposed to be directing our thoughts, we're supposed to be directing our, our Tshuva, our intentions even to the Pasha? When we're apologizing, we apologize on all levels. And we're committing to make to fix those things that cause the rift between us and Havaya, so to speak. But the way that we're able to correct that rift is by reaching higher, by reaching deeper. Vigam Purim, also with regard to Purim, Yodua, it's known. The Hatam Megillah the reason why the name of Avaya is not mentioned in the entire Megillah Sester. So this is counterintuitive. How do you see that Purim is higher than Avaya? Because the name Havaya is not mentioned in the entire Megillah Sester. Now it's unusual. You have a book of Tanakh, one of the 24 books of Tanakh. There are only 24 books that became part of these essential books of Yiddishkeit. And one of them is Megillah Esther. And in the entire Megillah Esther, Hashem's name is not mentioned. Not even once. Why is Hashem's name not mentioned? Not because we didn't bother, so to speak, to mention Hashem's name. But because the whole concept of Megillah's Esther is a gilui of Arayin Seif. Megillah is the revelation of Esther, of that which is hidden. It's a gilui of Arayin Seif. Shalemayla mehavaya. That's higher than Avaya. Hashem's name is not mentioned because it's higher than Avaya. This is similar to this is similar to the concept of the prayer that we say immediately when we wake up. What do we say? In Maida'ani, Hashem's name is not mentioned. On a simple level, the reason why Hashem's name is not mentioned is because we are not worthy of mentioning Hashem's name when we just wake up in the morning. We didn't yet wash Naglavasar. We can't say words of holiness. That's the simple reason why Hashem's name is not mentioned in Maida'ani. But there's a deeper reason why Hashem's name is not mentioned in Maida'ani. And that is because... In Maida'ani, we're expressing who we are essentially on a level which is Lema'ila Me'avaya. It's true. A Jew who's impure can't mention Hashem's name. But a Jew who's impure is connected to Hashem on a deeper level, on a more essential level. And that's the Maida'ani of a Jew. The Maida'ani of a Jew is that part of the Jew's recognition 
cognizance of Hashem's presence that's there every single moment, no matter where he is, even when he's in the deepest tumah, in the darkest circumstance, he's still cognizant of Melechai Vekayim, of the king who is eternally alive, that is together with him over there. Like it says in the Pasuk and Tilimim, Esach Shamayim Shamata. If I attain the heavens, if I reach the heavens, there I find your presence, Hashem. But if I descend into the deepest depths, Hineka, you're there too. Hashem is not just with us when we're in the greatest heights. Hashem is with us when we're in the deepest depths as well, in the lowest places as well. And that's the concept of Purim, that Purim is a connection to Hashem, which is lemaila mehavaya, therefore Hashem's name cannot be mentioned. In truth, in the story of Purim, Hashem's name is not recognized. When is Hashem's name recognized? When you see a miracle which breaks nature, and nature wasn't broken throughout the course of Megillah's Esther, of the story of Esther. But there was a connection, a deeper connection, an eternal and everlasting connection, which was unveiled, Megillah, which was revealed throughout this story. And that's why Hashem's name isn't mentioned. So both Purim and Yom Kippurim are special days on our calendar because both of them connect a Jew to this level of Lamaila Meyavayim. On a simple level, when you don't see Hashem's name, it's almost because it's undeserving. On a pshat level, the reason why Hashem's name is not mentioned in the Megillah is because the Megillah was something which was given to be um, inscribed in the books of Parasumadai, in the books of the kings which existed then, and there was a fear that the name of Hashem would be erased and inserted instead would be the name of their and therefore Hashem's name could not be mentioned which almost is a limitation to Hashem's name that we're not in control and therefore in order that Hashem's name shouldn't be desecrated we won't put Hashem's name there in the first in the first place but that's exactly the point that we're making just like by Maida'ani what you're expressing is that despite your impurity you're connected to Hashem anyways that's really what's being emphasized in the story of Purim also. That despite Hashem's hiddenness, we're connected to Hashem on a deeper level, a level that does not require revelation. We don't need to see Hashem to be connected to Hashem. In the Megillah, we don't need the name Yud Kevavke to present itself for us to be connected to the essence of who Hashem is, a level of Arin Saif Shalom Ayla there's sometimes we'll go back to the relationship concept there's sometimes you have a relationship with someone when you're interacting if you're there and you see them and you say good morning to them and they say good morning to you there's a clerk in the store 
that you stop in to buy your seltzer every morning. So you say good morning to them, they say good morning to you, and that's your relationship to them. If they're not there one morning, then you have no relationship with them. But your relationship with your parent is not dependent upon you seeing them or talking to them. Your relationship with your parent is there with you on a much deeper level than just that which is revealed. When Hash... Oh, so, so it's the connection that's essentially higher than the revelation of the name, essentially. That's exactly. The connection of Megillus Esther is a connection which, even though Hashem's name is not there, we have a deeper connection, and it's a connection which is And again, you're right, on a pshat level, it's the opposite. On a pshat level, Hashem's name is not mentioned in Maidani because we can't. We're not worthy of mentioning Hashem's name. But on a deeper level, the Maidani of Ayid is the deepest level which goes even higher than a bracha. It's even deeper than a bracha. It's always, always there. Um, maybe, uh, um, how, how, how do we say that like the... the the higher, the deeper level of something, the panemius of something is opposite of the pshat. Like it feels like like the, the panemius of it should be like an elevation of the pshat, but this is like the opposite of the pshat. Good question. But really we're not saying that it's the opposite of the pshat. We'll go back to our relationship example. Obviously, when do you feel most comfortable and happy? When you're home, sitting on your couch with your parents next to you. That's the pshat. And when, you're, when, when you don't have your parents sitting on the couch with you, then you feel a yearning to them, a homesickness, etc. And the pshat level, that remains to be true. However, because you don't have that revealed connection, therefore, there's a deeper connection which is being emphasized. You don't feel homesick when the clerk isn't there in the morning to greet you and say good morning and sell you your seltzer. So the pshat and the the pnimis are not really opposites. On the contrary, it's because you don't have the revelation, because a yid is tame, he can't say elikai neshama shinosatabi, therefore he must say moida'ani. But that Maida'ani is obviously deeper than the Likai Neshama because it can't be said even <coughs> when he's tummy. So they're both true simultaneously. And they're actually the Pnimius of the Pshat. It's the Neshama of the Guf that you're seeing. Ubir Shaykhus. Now, we, we drew two relationships between Purim and Yom Kippur. One relationship between Purim and Kippur, we said they're both connected to the concept of Geiro. The second relationship between Purim and Kippur, we said they're both higher than Havaya. Now we need to understand these two relationships. How they're not just two random things that both Purim and Yom Kippur share, but in fact they're connected to each other. Or to put it a different way, it's because Purim and Yom Kippur are connected to the concept of Geirl that they're both Lamay Lamay Avaya and vice versa. 
It's because they're lemay lemay Therefore, they're both connected to the concept of girl. This is what we're going to continue to explain. Let's read. Ubir hashayichos deshnei hanyanim bahashva diyameki purim purim explaining the relationship between these two ideas in the hashva'a, in the equation, in the way that we're drawing a parallel between Yom Kippur and Purim, Shabishnehem, who in Yin then in both of them, you have the idea of Gairo, of lottery, and that both of them are higher than the name Avaya. Yuvon Behaktim, we can understand this through first prefacing. The Inyan Hagayrol, Hulumailameyaseichal. The idea of Gayrol is something which is higher than Seichal. Chsidis connects two things in ways that you never would think just automatically. And that's the idea of connecting to the Neshama, to the Pnimias. A Gayrol. Usually, when you look at on a pshat level, as you put it before Shalom Ber, when you look at a girl, a girl seems something which is random, chance, just not so serious, just, okay, forget it, I don't really care, A or B, let's just choose A or B. Chassidah says on the contrary, the idea of girl is something which is higher than seichel, meaning Usually, if you have two things, let's say you have vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream, right? So over there, you just use your seichel. Use your intellect. Obviously, if you're using intellect, any person chooses vanilla over chocolate. It's, are you laughing? It's true. It's obvious. No, no, no normal person would choose. So over there, there's a logical choice. It makes sense. Where there's a logical choice between two things. That logical choice is going to cause you to choose A over B. What happens where A and B are identical? Where they're the same? Where there's no difference between them? That's where you need a girl to choose between them. And Chassidah says, therefore, a girl is not lower than Seichel. On the contrary, it's Lemaila me Seichel. It's higher than intellect. Sharei girl hu bechlal b'shnei dvarim shavim. A girl in general can only be thrown between two equal things. If there's a logical reason to choose one over the other, you're not going to make a girl between them. You'll choose it based on logic. It's only where logic cannot dictate that one should be chosen over the other, where the two things that you're choosing between are equal, that you need to rely on a girl. And we brought up the idea of a girl between the Shnei Seirim, Ukamei B'Shnei HaSeirim, the two Seirim, the two goats, Anim Kippur, that seemingly are going to two opposite places. One is being brought as a carbon on the Mizbeach, the other one is the only thing other than the paraduma a little bit and uh, the the no the ego the the what no 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 the the when when a person is found 
dead. Uh, what? No, no, that's the egg rufa. Thank you. The egg rufa. Those two things are also done outside of the base of mikdash, and then you have the azazel. The azazel is something which is brought far away. Could you imagine the koyin? He's fasting. He's walking through Midbar Yehuda, through the heat of the day. The sun is shining down. It's hot. He's walking far into the desert, to this dry, rocky cliff. They identify different places where they think it is, but it's clear the general direction where he would go. You could stand on the, on, on Har Habayis, and you could look out and see the far distant spots, deep into the wilderness into the hot and desolate wilderness where the Kain has to go and throw this seir down la'azazel it's being thrown so to speak to the powers of impurity two opposite extremes and how do you choose between these two you don't choose a beautiful seir to go to the mizbeach and an ugly seir to go to the azazel on the contrary you have to make a girl between them. And if you have to make a girl in between them, that means that they had to be equal in appearance, in height, and in price. They had to be two seirim that were virtually identical. That you could not tell a difference between them. And only a girl determines which is going to go to one place and which is going to go to the other. If one of them is better, if there's something which is better, it doesn't make sense to throw a lottery. A lottery. Only when you have equality between two things. Since logically it's impossible to decide which one to choose, therefore, you rely then on the girl <coughs> which is higher than intellect. Mm-hmm. You must rely on the girl which is higher than intellect because intellect is not able to give you the choice which to choose. And the, only the girl can bring that choice to four. It's also like this above. The girl the concept of geirl, just like by us, geirl represents a supra-logical decision. There's a logical decision, like the decision between vanilla and chocolate. And there's a supra-logical decision where there are two things which are equal, which you have to choose in between. Geirl lemaila also is a supra-logical decision. What is logic above? Logic is chachma. You have Chachma, Bino, Das, Chesed, Gvirt, What's a super-logical decision? A decision which is higher than Chachma. That means higher than Ishtal With a super-logical decision, you're not making the decision. The Eberster is making the decision. Absolutely. And what does that mean? Okay, we're going to have to explore this idea further. We're going to have to explore this idea. It's an excellent question you're asking. The girl who the concept of girl is higher than hishtalshlus. The chachma who reishes hishtalshlus. Chachma is the beginning of hishtalshlus. That's where hishtalshlus starts. The chain starts with yud chachma, 
then is hey, bina, etc. That's where the hishtalshlus, the chain, the evolution of creation begins. A girl which is greater than chachma is by definition higher than hishtalshlus. That means that hishtalshlus cannot decide this. In order to decide this, I need to reach higher than hishtalshlus. Val pizza, according to this, hashva the Purim v'yamiki Purim, shabeshneim hu inyan agaril. We brought two hashvahs, two parallels between Purim and Yom Kippur. One is that shabeshneim hu inyan agaril. Both of them have the idea of girl, which we now identify that the concept of girl is an idea which is lemaylam yishtalshlos. Who gilui aryan seif shalemaylam yishtalshlos? A girl is a revelation of aryan seif which is higher than yishtalshlos. A girl means we're relying on something which yishtalshlos alone cannot decide. We have to reach higher than yishtalshlos in order to be able to decide. V'zeu akasher d'shnei anyanim ba'ashva d'yamikipurim upurim. And this then is the connection between these two parallels between in kipur and purim. Shabishnei mu'in in a girl v'shashnei mu'in l'maylam e'avaya. Both of them are representing. The idea of gairo, of lottery, and both of them are higher than avaya. Ki avaya hu ishtalshlus. The concept of avaya is ishtalshlus. In the parentheses, yud chachma ibina v'kulu. The name avaya represents ishtalshlus. Ishtalshlus is that which makes sense. Ishtalshlus is ila v'alu, cause and effect. Ishtalshlus means that I can trace B to A. I can trace C to B. I can trace Z all the way back to A. If I follow the logical sequence, there's a sequence which is causing it. Ishtalshlus means that if you do mitzvahs, then you will receive an abundance of bracha. If you follow Hashem's ways, then the bracha comes flowing. That's hishtalshlus. Turn the right tap, the cold water will come out. Turn the left tap, the hot water will come out. That's hishtalshlus. Hishtalshlus means that there's a direct cause and effect. There's a logical sequence to what you're doing. When you're choosing to do such and such a thing, it's not something which is something which makes sense. But then there's a choice which you make, which is deeper than ishtalshlos. And that's a girl. A girl is a choice which you make, which is representing something which logic cannot dictate. Like if you have to choose between vanilla and strawberry. So then already, if you're going to make a girl, the girl's going to show that you have a deeper connection to the strawberry than to the vanilla. But that's not something which is logical because you can make an argument either way. They're equal. Right? That's where you have to rely on a, on a concept of gairul. Sheshneim heim lemay lemeyavaya ki avayu ishtalshus v'zash yamikipurim apurim heim lemay lemeyavaya hu shagilud yamikipurim hu depurim hu lemay lemeyishtalshus in an agarul. Yom Kippur and Purim are two days in our calendar where we're just taking away the whole system. There's a system which is there. And the system says that there's a sequence, that there is a causation which has results, that there are factors which cause other things to take place. 
That's the sequence. But the truth is that our relationship to Hashem is not dependent upon sequence. When Meshur Abenu, today, Zayin Adar, when Meshur Abenu turned to Hashem and said, if not, if you don't forgive the Jews, then erase me from the book which you have written. What Meish Rabbeinu was saying is that my relationship to the Yidin is not just when they're doing what they're supposed to, when they're behaving, when they're acting as my children should act. My relationship with them is something which is much deeper and greater than that. I love them no matter what. And my love to them is even greater than my love to Torah, which is my revealed job, my title, Meishu Rabbeinu, the teacher of Klal Yisrael, the one who the one who taught us Torah, but my relationship with the Yidin goes deeper than that. And that's what the day of Zion Adar is about. That's what the Yom Tiv of Purim is about. And that's what the Kapara of Yom Haki Purim is about. It's about a relationship, an essential relationship, which is connected to this concept of Geirah, which isn't dependent upon, say, the Hishtalshas. It isn't dependent upon cause and effect. It's a relationship which goes beyond when things are smooth and happy. It even exists where there are bumps in the road, where there is rifts apparently, that are separating us where there's concealment and darkness that nevertheless we're connected to Hashem. That's what Purim is about and that's what Yom Haki Purim is about and therefore they're both connected to this concept of girl, which is a concept of connecting on a supra-logical level beyond cause and effect and they're both connected to this avaya, uh, to this le- concept of Lamay Lamay Avaya. That's where we'll stop for today. Sorry, Simcha. Tachnun today? There's Tachnun today. The Tachnun that we say today is going to achieve the greatest kapara that we could imagine. <laughs> it's going to connect us to a level which is much deeper than Avaya. Okay. All the best.